It's Monday, April the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, America's tough week ahead and Labour's new leader. First, the world in brief. President Donald Trump warned America to prepare for its toughest week yet in its fight against the coronavirus pandemic. There will be a lot of death, he said. The number of Americans infected surpassed 300,000, the highest in the world. Yet Mr. Trump also suggested that social distancing rules might be relaxed to allow Americans to congregate in church on Easter. Last month, he toyed with setting that date as a target for reopening the country. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, was admitted to hospital 10 days after testing positive for COVID-19. His office said he would undergo tests as a precautionary step because he was still suffering from a high temperature, among other symptoms. Meanwhile, in a rare televised address, the Queen called on Britons to remain united and resolute. She praised health workers and assured viewers, we will meet again. The number of people to die of the pandemic in Spain fell for the third day in a row. The number, 674, is also the lowest in 10 days. Spain has suffered more deaths than any country except Italy, but the authorities now hope it is past the peak of its outbreak. Nonetheless, the national lockdown has been extended to at least April 26th. Hassan Rouhani, Iran's president, announced that low-risk economic activity will restart from next Saturday, even though the country is still struggling to control the coronavirus. Iran has been hit harder than anywhere else in the Middle East. According to its health ministry, almost 60,000 people have been infected and 3,603 have died of the virus. Singapore reported 120 new cases in 24 hours, its highest increase yet. The city-state, which at first limited the spread of COVID-19 through intensive monitoring of foreign arrivals and testing, was forced to close schools and many workplaces on Friday. Some 116 of the newly announced infections were transmitted locally. Sir Keir Starmer was elected the new leader of Britain's opposition Labour Party in succession to Jeremy Corbyn. He easily beat his nearest rival, Rebecca Long-Bailey, into second place. Sir Keir, the party's former Brexit spokesman, is a moderate and expected to pull Labour back towards the political centre after five years of Mr Corbyn's radical socialism. French police launched a terrorism investigation following attack in the southeastern town of ramon sur A man with a knife entered a tobacconist, killed two people and injured five more on Saturday morning before he was arrested. According to prosecutors, the suspect is a Sudanese refugee. Two other people have been arrested in connection with the attack. And editor's note. The Economist is making some of its most important coverage on the COVID-19 pandemic freely available to readers of The Economist today, our daily newsletter. For details, visit our hub at www.economist.com forward slash coronavirus. And now here's today's agenda. Testing, testing, nabbing hidden infections. As the pandemic accelerates, even countries that test extensively for the virus are missing lots of hidden infections. That leaves them with a critical unknown, the true proportion of infected people who became ill enough to need hospitalisation, which in turn can be used to work out the fatality rate of the disease. But a growing number of places are starting to test random samples of the population for antibodies against the virus, the presence of which means they have been infected in the past. Last week, researchers conducted such tests on thousands of people in California, with volunteers coming to a drive through testing site for a pin-prick blood sample. The results are expected very soon. The study followed a protocol developed by the World Health Organization, which plans to compile results from such studies from a range of countries 
and settle the debate about COVID-19's true fatality rate. Not in the plan at all. Russia's halting response. Today, Russians were supposed to go back to work. This is what President Vladimir Putin told them on March 25th. Instead, much of the country finds itself in a lockdown. On April 2nd, after nearly a week of conspicuous absence from public view, Mr Putin told the nation that the non-work days would be extended to April 30th. Even more conspicuous is the lack of support for private businesses. While public sector employees continue to receive salaries, private firms have largely been left high and dry. And as the cash-starved hospitals across the country braced for the exponential growth of cases, Mr Putin transferred responsibility for dealing with the epidemic to the regions, which have been starved of resources for much of his presidency. Russia has plenty of security services to enforce strict lockdown measures, but what it lacks is the trust in the government that is essential amid a global pandemic. Days of the Dead – China's Restriction on a National Holiday Today marks the end of a three-day holiday celebrating the Qingming Festival, one of China's most important. Chinese usually spend it going to cemeteries and paying respect to loved ones. This year, however, many places limited the number of people allowed to do so, and promoted services whereby cemetery workers visited graves on their behalf. One worry was that crowds in graveyards would give the coronavirus a new chance to spread. But the government probably also feared that the gatherings might rekindle anger at its handling of the outbreak and pose new questions about exactly how many have died. Instead, the government held a national three-minute silence in memory of those killed by the virus, and in particular for 14 medical workers it has named as patriotic martyrs. They include Li Wenliang, a doctor who caught the virus just days after police told him not to talk about it. Late and Limited Myanmar opens its eyes. After denying its presence in the country for months, a military civilian task force begins its first full week of taking on the coronavirus. The health system is hopelessly underprepared for the pandemic, and testing has hardly begun. Myanmar has reported just one death, only 21 tests have come up positive. Aung San Suu Kyi, the country's de facto president and leader of the COVID-19 task force, has stitched her reluctance to use social media and asked people via Facebook to stay at home. Incoming international flights have been suspended. The authorities have stopped issuing visas and quarantined hundreds of people. Meanwhile, however, tens of thousands of Burmese workers have returned from neighbouring Thailand untested. For now, more aggressive measures seem unlikely. Those most at risk, ironically, are already in lockdown. The 240,000 or so displaced by conflict, including 130,000 Muslim Rohingya, whom the authorities keep in open-air detention centres in Rakhine State. Deal with it. Oil market slide. Saudi Arabia and Russia were due to meet today to support an oil market in freefall. In March, COVID-19 crippled demand and then a long-standing alliance between Russia and the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries collapsed. Last Thursday, April 2nd, Donald Trump tweeted that a deal between Russia and Saudi Arabia, OPEC's leader, was imminent, propelling the oil price to its biggest daily gain ever. Yet by Saturday, the meeting was delayed, possibly until this Thursday. The Russians and Saudis may not be keen to return to a partnership that served neither particularly well, as OPEC's price supports have helped American shale production surge. Nor is it clear how America might participate in such a partnership, not least because the interests of its many oil companies diverge. With America now the world's biggest oil producer, Mr Trump wants a deal, but he may not get one to his liking. 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Martin Luther King Jr., who died this past Saturday in 1968. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.